about the first landmine, offenses. I want you to get on the offense with offenses. And I want to call this today skunked by offenses. How many of you do not want to be skunked? All right, skunked is never a good thing in any, any way you put it. And uh, so we're going to look at this. Now, Jesus is talking to the disciples and to a crowd of people, and he says this. Whoever causes one of these little children, one of these little ones who believe in me, to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses, say it with me, everyone, must come. They're coming. You're going to be offended by something. But woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Woe to the offender. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray that you will not allow anyone in this audience, in this church, under the covering of this church, or listening by radio, to be blown up by an offense. Lord, help us to have wisdom in dealing with with what the enemy sends against us, and we thank you for it. Now, will you breathe a prayer to the Lord and say, Lord, speak to my heart today. I need your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't get skunked by an offense. Now, I'm calling this landmines because I really do believe that the enemy sends landmines against God's people to overthrow them. Let me talk to you a little bit about landmines, real ones. Landmines, as you know, are devices designed to explode when stepped on or picked up. They are secretly laid by an enemy to kill and to maim. Landmines. They're also designed to take the victim by surprise. That's the whole deal with landmines. You don't know it's there until it's too late. Landmines, I discovered and kind of researching this a little bit, that They come in a wide variety of shapes and colors. Some look like stones. Some even look like pineapples. One of the most infamous is the butterfly mine, designed to float to the ground from helicopters without exploding, but with a shape and color that also make it a deadly toy, dangerously attractive to children who are maimed and killed all the time by landmines. So landmines are diabolical devices. We've all seen on the news since the war began, uh, people missing legs, missing arms, missing eyes, who stepped on landmines. Now, I'm going to take that concept of a landmine, and I want you to know today that I believe the devil is the original creator of the landmine concept. Because here's the deal. Satan began long ago in a place called Eden, placing landmines of temptation in the path of God's children. It's how he operates today. His landmines come in many different disguises. But they are laid secretly. They are designed to take you by surprise. And if they are not detected and and the trigger taken out of them, the landmine eventually explodes and it does the same thing real ones do. It maims, it destroys, it cripples. Now, the good news is that God has given you and me a landmine detector. And here it is in my hand. I want you to grab your Bible and hold it up. Now, this Bible is a lot of things, but I want us to say something a little bit different today. Say, this is my landmine detector. This this Bible, this Word will tell you about landmines before you ever step on them. 
And so thank God for that. And there's another landmine detector living on the inside of you. And he's called the Holy Spirit of God. He's a landmine detector. He will warn you before you step on one. He will say, watch it. He'll rise up. He'll check you. He'll take your peace away. And he'll let you know that you're about to step on a dangerous landmine. So we have the Word. And we have the Holy Spirit. Landmine detectors. Now let me tell you some of the landmines I'm going to talk about in the next few weeks. You don't want to miss one of these. I promise you. Because my calling as a pastor is to protect you. And I'm going to tell you in the next few weeks how to avoid some of the most dangerous landmines I've observed in all my years of walking with God and all my years of pastoring. Today we're going to talk about the landmine of offense. What a landmine that is. Then next time we're going to talk about the landmine of disillusionment with God. And that's going to minister to many of you, and you're going to take the CD and give it to people you know who are not in church because they have been disillusioned with God. That landmine blew up under them. Then the next time I'm going to talk about the landmine of condemnation. What a landmine that is, and when it blows up, it just knocks you out of the saddle. Then I'm going to talk about the landmine of deception. What a terrible landmine that is, and we are living in such an age of deception that without the Word and without the Holy Spirit, all of us could be deceived. Then the next time I want to talk to you about the landmine of the myth of the greener grass. We could call it the prodigal son syndrome. There's something out there that I want to go find and experience, and to do it, I've got to leave my father's house. And you get out there, poof! And then the last time, I'm going to talk to you about the landmine of sexual sin. Amen. Now, back to our text. Notice what the Bible says. Let's put the verse up there again. Notice what it says. Jesus said, and I, by the way, I like that graphic. Notice what he says. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to do what, everybody? To sin. Now, then he goes down to verse 7 there at the bottom and he says, woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. Now, I want you to understand, when I talk about the landmine of offense, an offense is that which causes you and I to sin. That's what an offense is. It's not just somebody saying something that makes you huffy. But a landmine of offense is designed to cause you to sin, either emotionally or in action. That's why offenses come. Offenses happen to you and me to cause us to sin. Jesus links the temptation to sin or causing a little one to sin, he links it to the word offense. Jesus let us know that this is what an offense is and what an offense does. An offense causes a person to stumble in their walk with God and fall into sin. That's why Jesus attached a woe to offenses. Anytime Jesus attaches a woe to something, you need to really look at that. Because he said, woe to those, woe to those who experience offense. Because the power of an offense is an awesome power. When you and I become offended, and this is one of the devil's top grade, A number one landmines. The power of an offense it can take you out of the race, take you out of the body of Christ, take you out of prayer, take you out of your walk with God, take you out of fellowship. 
It can make you jaded, cynical, negative, bitter. The offended don't enjoy life. We need to know the power of an offense. Jesus taught in Matthew 13, 21 in his parable of the sower that offense can steal the word out of your heart. He, he was talking to his disciples about the different seeds that are sown along the ground. And he says, four different things happen to the seed of the kingdom of God that is sown in the heart of a person. Four different things can happen. Only one of them positive. The other three were negative. And one of the negatives was when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, by and by, the person without deep roots becomes offended and falls away. I don't want anybody in here to fall away from the faith. I want you to walk with God all the days of your life and glorify Him. And when you see Jesus, I want you to hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Amen. But I don't want to see anybody here taken out by an offense. I guess if you were to ask me, Pastor Jeff, what is the number one tactic that the enemy uses against the body of Christ? I would have to say it's, it's got to be offenses. Some of you in here right now are offended. You're colored and tainted by an offense, and the Lord's going to get it out of you today. Jesus was literally telling us that if we hold on to an offense... It can be our undoing. Forgiveness is vital to a Christian survival. Absolutely. The Bible teaches that offenses can be stronger than the bars of a castle. Listen to Proverbs 18, 19. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. You got more luck as an individual going and taking a fortified city single-handedly than winning back an offended friend if the grace of God is not involved. He said, offenses separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Offenses are stronger than steel bars if there's not forgiveness and the grace of God is not allowed into that situation. The sin that an offense causes can be anything. You're just walking along and an offense comes your way, and I'm going to talk about it a lot as we go on. But you're walking along and, and you stumble, you trip. Something happens that brings an offense to you, a temptation to a sin. Somebody hurts your feelings. It can be sexual sin, a root of bitterness, walking away from God. The sins that an offense causes are numerous. And they, and they happen to the best of believers. And you know why they happen to the best of believers? Because they're landmines. You don't see them. They take you by surprise. And that's why the Bible says, Take heed lest you think you stand. Take heed that you think you can't be knocked down. Take heed that you think you can't stumble. My friend, I assure you, you can. The book of Hebrews warns, see to it that no one comes short of God's grace, that no root of bitterness from an offense springs up, causing trouble, and by it many are defiled. Now that passage alone tells us three things that can happen when we get offended. First one is we get out from under the grace of God. If you live with an offense, nurse an offense, rehearse an offense, fellowship with an offense, and don't get rid of it, the Bible warns that you can get out from under the grace of God. You can frustrate the grace of God. 
That basically means the adversary has you by the throat. And let me tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to become judgmental and pharisaical. Always pointing the finger at somebody else. You this, you that. Well, how could you this and how could you that? Listen, there's nobody tougher on other people than offended people who never got over it. Second thing that could happen is we're going to experience trouble. That no root of bitterness from an offense springs up causing trouble. I don't want trouble. I got enough trouble. How many of you can say, I'm not going to invite trouble? Amen? So you, you don't want to nurse an offense because the Bible says it will turn into a root of bitterness and that will bring you trouble you don't need. Now here's another one. We become defiled. That's the last thing. Defiled in your spirit means you're tainted. You're stained, you're sullied in your spirit. It's like, it's like an offense that is nursed and not taken care of that becomes a root of bitterness. Is, is like somebody throwing mud on your soul. It defiles you, it sullies you, it dirties you. It, 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 it takes the, the shine and the gleam off of your faith, off of your walk with God. So here again we see that offenses are words or offenses are uh, actions that cause a person to stumble into sin, either emotionally by causing them to walk in anger or whatever, or by actions. I remember one time the great cyclist Lance Armstrong was in his fifth attempt at winning the Tour de France, and I was watching it. I think Lance Armstrong is, is, is a wonder. I really do. You talk about a fighter. Now I was watching it, and all of a sudden, he's cooking along on his bike. Man, he's winning. He's in the lead. And some crazy person standing on the sideline in the audience watching stepped out too far with, their, with a handbag in their hand, and he hit it, and he fell because one of his fans got too close. He was knocked off of his bike when a spectator's uh, bag caught the right side of his handlebar, and I saw this and saw the replay over and over again, and it made me wince because, I mean, he went kablam. He went head over heels, crashed to the ground, and another racer flew over the top of him, and one observer uh, commented to a news guy that came right up started interviewing the audience, said, man, when Lance crashed, I thought it was over. Here he is going along, running his race, not a care in the world, doing what he loves, and kaplow! Something got in his way, and he crashed to the ground. It's a perfect illustration of how an offense happens. You're going along, just going to church, praising the Lord, loving on Jesus, fellowshipping, everything's going great, blessings are coming from right and left. Say, I can't get any better than this. Bow! Because the devil sees you having a great time in the Lord and he doesn't want that. And, and, and one of the biggest tricks in his bag of tricks is an offense. And down you go. An offense is very similar. It comes out of nowhere, takes you off guard, and it carries the potential of taking you out of the race. <laughs> and sabotaging your walk with God. I mean sabotaging it. I had a friend one time, I, I, I lived just outside of Austin a long, long time ago and uh, in, in the country. And I had a friend, we used to love it, we were critter guys. We liked going out and getting snakes and animals and lizards and everything. We had a big snake cage and all. And I know it was kind of strange, but I was a boy and I'd do it still today, you know, so. 
to a level. But I, I always found the world nature fascinating. Anyway, so my friend was out there looking for a critter one day, and he didn't see it coming. He walked right up on a skunk. And this skunk was crouched in a bush, and my friend didn't see him until it was too late, until that skunk had already turned around and lifted his tail. And he got sprayed. And I heard him screaming, coming back. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, he got snake bit. But no, he got skunk sprayed, which is almost as bad as snake bit. And he was wearing a white T-shirt, and the white, I could see it. And I could smell it before I ever saw it. And I said, I love you, but stay away from me. He was sprayed good, head on, dead on, sprayed. And we couldn't get that smell off. He could nothing. He, he back in those days, uh, uh, what guys use all the time was Old Spice cologne. Remember Old Spice guys? Hey, a whole bottle of Old Spice didn't even take the edge off. Shower after shower didn't even take the edge off. I mean, he was just covered in this stuff. We were told all kinds of, you know, urban myths. You need to take a bath in this and a bath in that. He took a bath in tomato paste, everything to get rid of it. But he just had to walk it out. He just had to walk it out. And, man, he was one lonely dude for a long time. (laughs) He was one. Now, now I want you to understand something today that that, uh, coming under an offense is like the devil spraying you. As a matter of fact, if you're under an offense and, you, and, and you've been offended, you've been skunked. And I want you to think of it that way. You've been skunked. The, the devil wants to isolate you. The, the devil wants to get you out of the body of Christ, wants to get you out of prayer, wants to get you from pursuing after the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to get you where you are all about the odor of an offense. Man, hear me on this one. I know people who have been offended for years and years and years and never get over it. And anytime you get around them, you smell it. You finally have to say to them, you know, I just really don't want to hear that story anymore. I've, I can, I've had people tell me stories of how they were offended. You thought that it happened just yesterday, and it's 10 years old. But the odor of the offense is fresh on them as the day they were sprayed. You're walking along, minding your own business like Lance was riding down that track or this guy, friend of mine was looking for a critter. And out of nowhere, you get sprayed by an offense. It takes you off guard. It can be a word spoken offhand. But that word spoken offhand hits a nerve. And it begins to twist and turn within you like a worm. You can't get out of your mind what was said. It's lodged in there, branded on your mind and on your memory. It might be an outright verbal attack that comes against you. You may hear through the grapevine that a certain person has said something about you that defames your character. It slanders and hurts your reputation. And you can't believe they said it. And when you hear it, anger rises up within you and rage and offense. And the question is not what happened to you, but now what are you going to do with it? Because you've been skunked. You got the odor on you. And people know it when they get around you. The question is, are you going to nurse it, rehearse it? Are you going to baby it? Are you going to fellowship with it? Or are you going to deal with it? 
Or somebody may not say anything, but they do something that offends you. And what, what they do is insensitive. It's mean. It may even be cruel. It may devalue you as a person. And you're going, what do I do with this, Lord? They did wrong. There wasn't anything shady or, or, or gray about it. They did wrong. It's black and white. You can't believe they did it. You can't believe they said it. And it and continuously replays in your mind like a movie on a loop. Or like a record that's stuck. It's skipping. Offended. 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 Or how about this? Something happens on a larger scale with somebody you respected and looked up to and it shocks you. Rattles your beliefs. Shakes your faith. We so often hear of national scandals involving high-profile preachers or politicians who have professed faith in Christ, and then something comes out. Jimmy Swaggart, politicians all the time. But they were supposed to be Christians. And you got to understand, and have you ever noticed the media, if it's a Christian, is double-quick to hop on it. If it's any other faith, they don't touch it. And let me tell you why they do that, because they understand what I'm telling you today. They understand offense, and they understand that, that when you hear that, their hope is it brings an offense to you, and it makes you stumble in your confidence in God, and it makes non-Christians say it's all a scam. They know that, and so they will play on that and seek to send an offense across the country and in the body of Christ. When we become offended, here's what happens. We are besieged with negative emotions that rush up in our minds like a band of robbers. Anger, rage, self-pity, depression. Suddenly our peaceful walk with God is derailed. Very ungodly thoughts like anger and bitterness flood our minds. We feel things toward the offender that are totally contrary to what Jesus taught us to feel towards people, and that is exactly what the offense is designed to do, make you sin, either emotionally or by action. Now, here's the devil's hope. When he hurls an offense your way, here's his hope. His hope is that the offense will stick. That you will become bitter and preoccupied with the offense. Because if you don't get rid of the offense, the offense will get rid of you. If you don't get rid of the offense, you're going to become a person who, instead of being focused on Jesus Christ, you are focused only, solely, exclusively, and uniquely on the offense. You become a person offense-driven and not Christ-driven. God doesn't want that for you. I don't want that for you. It's a landmine. Don't let it blow up under your feet. Now, what about his M.O.? What about his tactics. How does he go about trying to get you and I offended to the level where it really does knock us off our bike, so to speak? We come crashing down and it affects our walk with God. Now let me tell you the devil's tactics. They're very clear in scripture. Here they are. He uses people almost exclusively to bring offense. Somebody said church would be great if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> he uses people almost exclusively to bring an offense. Now, I know that that's elementary, dear Watson. I know that. But you know how often we forget that? Listen to what Paul said. He said, you're not battling against flesh and blood. When something comes against you to offend you, to, to bring you into a, an obsession over an offense, you are not dealing with flesh and blood. It is not just that 
person. Powerful truth there. It's not just that person. He said, the forces of darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places are involved in the bringing of this offense. Yet we've got to understand those forces of darkness choose people. I've always found it interesting. When Jesus came to cast the devil out of the man that had a legion, those demons requested to go into something. They need a vessel. And, and when it comes to offending you and I, we've got to get to the place where we're at least smart enough to remember the Word of God when it says when you're offended, it's not just flesh and blood you're dealing with. For instance, the Bible says that the believer's tongue, that means the person next to you and that means you and that means me, the believer's tongue can be literally set on fire by hell. Now, you would think that once somebody is saved, they just sing kumbaya the rest of their life, and all that comes out of their mouth is blessing. But how many of you know that's not true? Listen to what James said. James said in chapter 3, By our speech we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. Sweet water and bitter, bitter blessings and cursings can spew out of the same mouth in the same hour, in the same breath. How many of you that are married can say amen? Come on. You know in a marriage you've got to take care of this. Or you're dead. That dog won't hunt if you don't get a hold of your words. <laughs> so here's James you know, chiming in with Paul saying, I want you to understand that sometimes when you're attacked and when an offense comes against you, it may look like flesh and blood were the only things involved. But Paul had learned that people were the unwitting tools of the enemy often. He learned that when offenses came his way, there was a spiritual component behind it. And it wasn't just flesh and blood. This is why Jesus said it's crucifixion. He prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They were crucifying him. He said, there's a spiritual component behind what they're doing. It's the enemy. Father, forgive them. He also experienced this when Peter uh, grabbed Jesus. When Jesus said, I've got to go to the cross and I'm going to have to die for the sins of men. Peter grabbed him and said, far be it from you, Lord. And what did Jesus do? He wheeled around and said to the disciple who had just told him, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and blessed him and spoken a revelation straight from the Spirit of God. In the very next breath, he spoke something from hell, and Jesus wheeled around and said, Satan, I rebuke you. Get away from me, for you savor not the things that be of men, or uh, that be of God, or, but that be of men. And here's Peter. One minute, he's promoted by Jesus. The next minute, he's leveled low. All by the words of his mouth. Everybody say words are powerful. And offenses are powerful. And it was interesting to me that Jesus said, You are an offense to me, Peter. I told somebody this week who had been deeply offended by another person. I said, Consider the source. They said, Well, I know the source. I said, Yeah, but there's more to the source. Was that God talking to you? Was that the Lord who you know and love talking to you? And they said, no way. And I said, then consider the source. And deeply offended. I said, consider the source. And 
Let it go off you like water off a duck's back. Now, I know that's easier said than done because words can be cruel. But, folks, we've got to get to the place where we realize we're not battling only flesh and blood, but that the enemy can hop on someone and move them, give them an impulse or a temptation to say something or do something that is designed by the enemy behind them to level us, to knock us out of the race, to affect us and pollute us and taint us and anger us and cause us to sin. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. At least say, oh me. Now there's another thing I've noticed that the enemy does, and I want you to catch this. He'll attack those who are closest to you. Matter of fact, let me give you a little saying. If Satan can't defeat you, He'll defeat someone whose defeat defeats you. Now, I'm going to say that again. If Satan can't defeat you, he'll defeat someone whose defeat defeats you. If he can't get at you, he'll he'll, he'll do a little search in your little circle, and he'll try to find someone he can work on who is close to you, close to your heart, and get them to be the ones who bring an offense to you. Again, everybody married say, I know that's right. I mean, this is just reality. That's why I say, if you want to grow up in Jesus, quickly get married. (laughs) Kathy is amening me a lot. When we get in the car, she'll say, great preaching, Jeff. (laughs) But please understand this is true. We're in a warfare, everybody. There's landmines laid by an enemy. And one of those landmines is an offense. How many of you can amen this? Nobody can bless you like those who are closest to you. And nobody can take you down like those closest to you. No wonder Satan tried using Peter to dissuade Jesus from going to the cross. Peter was in the inner three. Peter was destined to preach at Pentecost. Peter was the one who had just said to him, by revelation of God, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was his prized pupil. And it was his prized pupil that the enemy moved through. And he said, Peter, you are an offense to me. The enemy is trying to use you to cause me to stumble and miss my destiny. We're talking today about landmines and the walk of faith. And we're looking today at the very first landmine, skunked by an offense, the power of an offense. So he uses people to bring offense, particularly those who are closest to us, your kids, your spouse, your coworkers, your friends. That's why don't be amazed if you come into conflict with people closest to you. Sometimes you need to stand in the middle of your living room and rebuke the devil. Rebuke him off your finances, rebuke him off your relationships. Rebuke him off your marriage. Rebuke him off your kids. Some of you, you got kids that are just now moving into teenagehood. God bless you. Our prayers are with you. You may wake up one day and, and feel like an alien came and got in their body and is looking at you. They are no longer your child. They are E.T. And the enemy will will use them. And so you've got to learn to fight the real source, not just flesh and blood. Now, here's another hope with an offense, and then I'm going to tell you how to handle offenses real quickly. Here's another hope that the enemy has with an offense. Not only that it will stick in you, but that you will spread it. 
He wants you to spread offenses. Now, I want you to listen very carefully to me because we're a great big church family. And you know what? Our church is so healthy now, so blessed now, that what I'm preaching is preemptive. I've got no reason to preach this in our church body. I'm telling you, it's an excited family. We're moving forward. God is blessing. We're about to have twins. We're about to have twins. You know, Gary and Marissa, did they not make it today? I went and visited Gary and Marissa. That lady I had stand up a couple of weeks ago who was so (laughs) pregnant, she had twins. And I looked at those beautiful twins, five pounds and some change each. And and I looked at them, went to the hospital and saw them. And uh, here's Gary. He had one of them stuck up under his shirt, and the head was popping out of his T-shirt, and he was just doing this. I said, Gary, you're dead, man. That baby's already got you. And Marissa had the other one. And I thought, what a beautiful sight. And then I thought, our church is about to have twins. Two services. Starting Easter, we're going to have twins. We're going to have twins. Amen. But what I want you to understand is how the devil works. I want to expose the devil. I want to to just pull the curtain back and expose the way he operates now here's what the devil does he hopes that once you're offended you'll spread it and you will if you don't handle it you'll spread it and you'll try to gather people around you who will take up your offense but let me put it this way let's say I got a skunk right here and he's fully capable of spraying and I say to you here in church I say George would you hold this skunk Now, i got a real skunk, white stripe, black body. Here he is, and he's ready to spray. I said, George, please hold this for me. I'll be right back. (laughs) Now, you know George is not. He would say to me, Pastor, I love you, but the skunk is where it stops. I'm not going to take this skunk. But I want you to understand, when somebody offended who has been skunked, and they're not handling it right, and they're nursing it and rehearsing it, and babying it, and fellowshipping with it. And they come up to you, and they say, I need to tell you what happened to me. Man, let me tell you how evil they really are. Let me tell you how bad that bunch really is. Let me just really give you what you really need to know about them or him or her. What they're doing is, would you hold my skunk? Would you hold my skunk? I'll be right back. (laughs) But, hey, you hold a skunk, you got about five seconds to get right with Jesus. Because he's going to let you have it. Now, so the idea is skunked people like to skunk people. Skunked people skunk people. Hurt people hurt people. And so he said, that's where the many be defiled that Hebrews is talking about. Whereby many are defiled. Put it in our vernacular right now, many are skunked. And before you know it, you've got the same offense they had. You've got the same odor they had. You've got the same view they had. You've got the same thoughts they had. And you look at the people that hurt them in the same way they do. You can call it secondhand offense. You can call it skunked. Whatever it is, you've heard of group think. When you get with a group of people and it's very positive, you talk about things. It's a brain trust. You you get with a group of people. You have fun. You have fellowship. You play dominoes. You talk about Jesus. Whatever it is you do, it's it's group think. It's fellowship. There's also group stink. 
You can get with the wrong people, and I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how mature you are. If you hang around with people who are skunked, and they've never gotten it right, and they've never gotten over it, and they've still got the odor, you're going to get skunked. Eventually, eventually, you're going to be going, you know, you're right. Hallelujah, I agree with you. You know, that's true. And before you know it, they have infected you because they're contagious. And before you know it, you smell like you got skunked. You act like you got skunked. And you are there in the skunked group. And when you leave the group and come and get around others, they can smell the odor on you too. They say, what's happened to you? What's happened to your walk with God? And if they investigate a little bit, they find out you've been in group stink. I'm telling you the truth. This is how the devil works. He said, but we can get together in fellowship. We love the Lord. Let's get together in fellowship. But if they're skunked, they may love the Lord, but they're not obeying the Lord. And if you want to get it on you and become infected and have them affect your walk with God, knock you out of the saddle, knock you out of the race, affect your prayer life, or at least affect your fellowship, your church, your friends, even your spouse, you need to be very careful who you run with, who you spend time with, who you play dominoes with, who you listen to. Make sure that you run with people who lift your faith up and help your walk with God. If they're skunked, you may have to say to them what I've had to say to people in the past. I love you. I really do. But I can't be around you anymore. Groups stink. A group that has gone south and gone negative almost never returns. When you listen to a one-sided story of an offense and you take sides in that offense and take up the cause of the offended and get offended with them, you picked up their skunk. I want you to say with me, I don't want somebody's skunk. So next time an offended person comes to you, remember this illustration. Don't forget it. Don't hold their skunk. I'll pray for you about that skunk. I'm sorry you got that skunk, but that skunk ain't my skunk. Amen? This is how an entire workplace can become skunked with an offense. A whole extended family can become defiled by an offense. An entire church can be rendered ineffective by an offense. This is why I'm talking about a landmine of offense. Now, here's how you handle an offense, and let me close with this. On the battlefield, the very first thing you want to do in a place where you think landmines are present is find them. Well, we've done that today by recognizing offenses as a landmine. So what's the second thing you do? With a landmine, you dismantle it. The first thing you do, once you know it's a landmine, you dismantle it. Now let me give you two simple steps to dismantle the landmine of offense. The first one is act quickly. I want you to say with me, act quickly. The Bible says that we are not to give an offense longer than a 24-hour shelf life. Let me say it again. You shouldn't give an offense longer than a 24-hour shelf life. We know that about bread. If you don't leave it out, to, leave it out too long, it's going to get stale, but we don't know that about offenses. The Bible says don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. 
Here I am. I'm trying to break into your house. I got the door open a little bit, and you're pushing on the other side to keep me out. But I push through enough to get my foot through the door, and it gets it where you can't shut the door fully anymore because my foot's in it. That's a foothold. When you carry an offense and don't get rid of it quickly, the devil gets his foot in the door, and you can't shut the door against him. Practice for uh, you got to act quickly. Sitting on an offense is like placing wet clay in the sun. The longer you leave it there, the harder it becomes. Don't coddle it. Don't entertain it. Don't fellowship with it. Don't rehearse it. Don't nurse it. See it as something that is trying to bring destruction into your life. Act quickly. Say with me, act quickly. Second step is practice forgiveness. You got to. Jesus taught that we as his children are to be forgivers. He said, if you forgive others, your Father in heaven will forgive you. Now, let me tell you quickly a couple of things that will help you about forgiveness. Because I think forgiveness can be the hardest thing that Jesus ever told us to do. Here's a few nuggets about forgiveness. First, forgiveness is an act of the will. It is not an emotion. It's an act of the will. It's a pure act of the will. You can say it and you can do it without feeling anything. James also told us that a ship is guided by the little rudder that's underneath. Waves can be crashing, wind can be blowing, but that ship is going to go where the rudder tells it to. Well, we don't sail ships. We drive cars. So let me put it to you this way. Your tongue, along with being the rudder underneath that ship, is the steering wheel of your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I can get my, in my car with any emotion in the world and still drive it and still tell it where to go. I do it by my tongue. You can tell your tongue to act, to talk, to speak, whether or not you're feeling what you're saying. That's where lying comes from. I love you. Or you look great today, and inside you're going, oh, my Lord, where did they shop? <laughs> so good to see you. I can't believe I ran into you. You know how you do. We lie all the time. But watch this now. There's a good way. There's a good way. Because when you speak the word, you're really not lying, even though you don't feel it. So he says, forgive. So I found that you, you begin forgiving you can be filled with rage, filled with anger, and start saying, I forgive them. And the car, the steering wheel, will turn that car if you keep saying it. And you'll arrive at the destination of forgiveness if you say it. And here's the second thing. Forgiveness does not mean they deserve it. I'm not forgiving them. They don't deserve it. Well, you know what? They don't. But you didn't either. Uh, and forgiveness doesn't mean it lets them off the hook. Well, if I forgive them, I'm afraid they're going to walk away scot-free. i got to punish them. No. God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I've got the corner on the vengeance market. You aren't to take vengeance. You let me take care of them. And so you say, okay, well, then I forgive them because I'm not going to have a landmine blow up under me that sabotages my walk. Third thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness is more for you than them. You know what I've found? Most people you forgive could care less if you forgive them. In our day and age, when people are so hard-hearted and so all about me, most of the people you forgive could care less if you forgive them. Forgiveness isn't for them. It's way more for you. 
Because forgiveness pulls the trigger out of the landmine. And here's another thing. You may have to forgive repeatedly with your mouth in order to turn the car the way you want it to go. Jesus said you might have to forgive 490 times in one day. I mean, I have forgiven people many times in one day. I forgive them. Feel good for a few minutes, and then here comes the thoughts again. And you guys, I forgive them. Lord, help them. Lord, be with them. Lord, give them a dose of truth, dose of reality. But I forgive them. And then an hour later, i got to do it again. You do it repeatedly until the car turns. But you have the control in the words of your mouth. Another thing quickly, forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. It takes one to forgive and two to reconcile. You can forgive whether or not the offender ever repents or changes. Well, when they tell me they're sorry, I'll forgive them. Well, you may wait a long time, sir. (laughs) You may wait a long time, ma'am. Forgiveness does not require or oblige you to reenter a destructive relationship. I'm afraid if I forgive them and tell them I forgave them, I'm going to have to reenter that relationship. No. Forgiveness does not oblige you to be a fool twice. Is this helping anybody? I, I just want you to undo the landmine. You've got to forgive to go on with God. Now, if they want to reconcile and they want to change, you may reenter that relationship, but only if reconciliation happens and two are working on it and not just one. Don't allow the landmine of offense to explode under your feet. Act quickly and practice forgiveness. There are people who aren't in church today because they're offended. I'm just saying that theoretically. I'm sure it's true. Don't let the devil steal your walk with God. Can we stand? Sometimes fighting with people can make both of you look like a fool. You know that? It really can. Heard a story. Two guys were driving down the road. They were headed to the little Texas town called M-E-X-I-A. One of them said, where are we going? And the guy said, Mexia. He said, that's Mejia. He said, no, it's Mexia. It's Mejia. And they got into a fight. Is it Mexia? Is it Mejia? Says Mexia. No, it's Mahia. I'm telling you, it's Mahia. No, it's Mexia. And they drive into the said town. One of them said, the driver said, We'll settle this right now. He pulled into a fast food place. The woman came to the window. He said, Would you tell him real good and slow where we are? She looked at them and said, Dairy Queen. Fighting never gets you anywhere. Let's, let's just lift ourselves to the Lord. Can we right now? And I want you to pray, Lord, if the landmine of offense is in the field of my life, help me to disarm it. Will you make that a prayer right now? Make it a prayer right now. If I'm offended, Lord, help me to disarm it. I do not want to allow my life to be sabotaged any longer. I don't want to lose a limb. I don't want to lose my pace. 
or get knocked out of the race.